Shri Guru Parampara Ki Jai Shri Shri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai Shri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Brinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande Welcome So we're continuing our discussion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's conversion of Prakasananda Saraswati in Banaras. And in brief here, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has been pointing out um, a number of important faults in the uh, doctrine of Shankaracharya. This again is something that he seems to want to take up here um, as an afterthought, um, having in previous chapters given very beautifully the the essential philosophy and theology of uh, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, explaining his own Mangal Charan, and this chapter. Um, that exp- in this chapter, that explanation is concluded in the very onset of the chapter, and he segues into this leela that's out of place, as I've sometimes said, because. The narrative really begins several chapters later, about six chapters later, after this chapter. Then there's the his explanation of why he wrote the book, how he came to write the book, uh, more specifically in Vrindavan, how he got the blessings of Madam Mohan, and so on and so forth. Chapter 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, he's introducing all the significant... Uh, he describes the metaphorical tree of love of God, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the gardener of and the tree itself and so forth and the branches are the various devotees so he, starts, he speaks about the devotees of Nityananda the followers of Advaita of, of Gadadhar and so on and so forth more or less introducing all the different players in the drama that starts in terms of the narrative in chapter 13 with the appearance that which precedes and then probably the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and then more or less it goes Chronologically, indeed, this chapter here, which describes the uh, conversion of Prakasana Saraswati, appears again at the end of the Madhya Lila in chronological order. So it's out of chronological order here. And two things are mem- emphasized here that he seems to feel are very important before going forward with the narrative. <clears throat> and there are two things that um, perhaps aren't brought out uh, as um, um, strongly, if at all, in the um, preceding chapters. Namsan Kirtan, of course, it is brought out to some extent, but very clearly in this chapter, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replies to Prakasananda Saraswati, who had asked, what's with you? What kind of sannyasi are you? You're singing and dancing. Uh, instead of studying the Vedanta, that's the duty of a sannyasi. And so Mahaprabhu, of course, explains, well, my guru said I couldn't study Vedanta. He gave me Krishna Nam, Krishna Mantra, this is what I do. I went crazy, I asked him about it. He said that's the result you're supposed to get, and so on. Um, and then Mahaprabhu goes on to it, and, they, and then they say, well, there's nothing wrong with being a devotee of Krishna. We're not saying that. Um, but... Um, 
what's what's wrong with the study of Vedanta? And then he goes on to show from the scriptures that in Kali Yuga the way is not the study of Vedanta, but it's the chanting of the holy names, Namkirtan, and so on and so forth. He shows them that they missed a few verses, as I've said before, in their study of Vedanta. And then he begins to explain what's wrong with their idea of Vedanta. We're coming just to the end of that explanation here. And so this short section, it's not that short actually, fairly lengthy section um, that highlights the misinterpretation of the sacred texts on the part of the Advaitins, the Mayavadins. Hmm. Seems to be placed here as a kind of an afterthought to his Mangalacharan and its explanation, where again the philosophy of the theology is explained. But now he wants to say, and, and by the way, it's not this. Hmm. Now you can see, if you study carefully his comments on his Mangalacharan, that his audience is, is the religious public of the time, including the other Vaishnav Sampradayas. And he addresses covertly there other Vaishnav Sampradayas, the Ramanuja Sampradaya in particular. He, he uh, addresses by quoting verses from Jamuna Charja that support in his own interpretation what he's saying. Hmm? As if to say, your own Sampradaya is also saying this. So some of that's going on. Some He, he argues that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, the source of Narayan. Hmm? He knows well that others, other Vaishnavas think that Narayan is the source of Krishna. Hmm? He's generous in it, in it, by saying to them, after a long argument as to the um, as to Krishna being the fountainhead of all avatars, he says, but if you want to think of it differently and think of uh, Krishna or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna, which he argues for as well, you want to think of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a incarnation of Shiradakshay Vishnu, Karnadakshay Vishnu. It says it's okay. It's not very flattering, but it's all right. It's it it, it can be true. He's all things. If he, he's Swami Bhagwan, he's also Vaman. He's also Gurman, uh, and so on and so forth. They're all in him. So that he acknowledges other angles of vision. He's 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 aware of the times in which he lives. And um, the, the the thought currents of the time, and he is just like half a generation after the founding of Jarya's, and his book is kind of the final of the kind of bhakti shastras that form the foundation, the scriptural foundation of our our lineage. <clears throat> so he is right there um, working with in a, just under the, the architects of the whole uh, Sampradaya. <clears throat> so he's dealing with other... They have to establish themselves in their religious community with their idea. <clears throat> and so the Goswamis did so, and he's very, very faithfully representing them here in this book and putting their Sanskrit writings into Bengali, giving it to, to more common uh, folk is the idea and so that's it he hasn't dealt in that section as I'm saying with the Mayavad philosophy and it is very prominent 
And so it appears that he wants to deal with it before going forward. And uh, it's more or less Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going to Vrindavan and you can't really go there unless you pass through Banaras, pass through the Mayavad idea and um, retire it altogether. It's, uh, otherwise, as we've heard, there's no form of God, there's no Leela, the name is 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 not eternal either, and so on and so forth. So, certain points in the um, uh, teaching of Shankaracharya, which is the one form of Vedanta that is non-theistic, uh, at least in comparison to the um, uh, other Vaishnav forms of Vedanta, the Shuddha Dvaita, the Vashishta Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita Dvaita, and of course the Achinta Veda Veda or Chinta Dvaita Dvaita of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. These are all clearly theistic. Clearly theistic, Pujapachita Marsh, of course, like to refer to Gaudiya Vaishnavism as the um, whole wholesale the wholesale theism, something to that effect, mm. full-fledged theism. So they're all theistic, but this is taking it to to the extreme. And by um, contrast, Shankar is 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 non-theistic. We've heard already statements from the Vishnu Purana that Mahaprabhu himself has cited through the pen of Krishna Das Goswami. Vishnu Purana's statements, Padma Purana, the Padma Purana. Believe statements. Um, actually, correct. I correct myself. Mahaprabhu referred to Vishnu Purana and Bhagavad Gita with regard to Shakti Tattva, and as he starts to explain the Shakti Tattva we discussed yesterday. But uh, in his commentary, of course, Prabhupada pulls out some verses from the Padma Purana that are that describe the empowerment of Shiva by Vishnu for the purpose of spreading a, a veiled form of Buddhism, the idea being, as we've heard, to take people from from a Shunyavad to a, to a Nirvishesh conception in which the Vedas are again embraced, whether they're not, as they're not in the, uh, in the Buddhist tradition. The Buddhists would be more um, clearly non-theistic, hmm? Later in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Mahaprabhu does say something about the, the Buddhists, and he describes the Mayavad philosophy as, to use Sridhar's term, half truth is worse than no truth. Better to be a Buddhist and just come out and say there's no God than appear to be saying that there is a God uh, when there isn't, so, so to speak. It's kind of what, how he portrayed the, the teachings of uh, Shankaracharya. So anyway, a number of faults have been brought up here. The main focus of this whole um, expose on uh, Advaita Vedanta is the way in which Shankar has gone about presenting the um, conclusions of the uh, Shastra, of the Upanishads, which is thought to be in an in, in imaginary way, a way of taking the mukhya vritti, the direct statements, and explaining them indirectly in terms of gona vritti, and taking the gona vritti statements and making the mukhya vritti 
So many, 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 many statements about the eternality of the form of Bhagavan and so on and so forth. So he has this fancy way of um, shifting the ground and and this is all kalpana, uh, imaginary. It's not... This is, again, where Prabhupada gets his uh, subtitle of the Bhagavad Gita as it is. Hmm? As it is without... The whole... Prabhupada's whole... Um, idea of mental speculation. This is what it's about. Hmm? I mean, it's it's so widely misinterpreted as if to mean don't think. Whatever you do, don't think. That's Maya. Hmm? And just be a literalist. Uh, take it all, everything literally, and uh, otherwise you're just speculating. It's really about this. To not be... Um, uh, chased to the to the uh, straightforward argument of the sacred texts um, as to the the um, as to their theistic um, nature hmm? and um, and to uh, add your own interpretation into it so. He's given some examples of how he's done that hmm. and what the uh, results are. The example yesterday we heard, well, there's a couple, that the jiva and Brahman are one. Hmm. So there are statements like this, but, but, but he, there are statements to the contrary as well. Those are ignored. Hmm. And, uh, and what is the context? Hmm. And, uh, and, and so forth, that those statements about the unity of Brahman and jiva and Atman are described. I just gave an example yesterday of a man living in a cave and two men and one going outside seeing the sun for the first time, coming back in, trying to explain it to the other resident. What, what can he say about the sun and all that it does with providing the vegetation and heat, light, and so forth. And so he has to just make a crack in the wall and a little ray of light comes in and says, this is the sun. That's hardly the sun. That's just something. But it's so extraordinary compared to the darkness. Hmm? Um, and so the Upanishads, you know, you have to start somewhere. So, And this is a very beautiful thing that the Goswamis have done. They've really, really labored to show uh, context hmm? uh, in their explanation of the sacred texts. Uh, so again, the Upanishads is a beginning the Puranas are said to fulfill, fluff that out, play that out through more lengthy and user-friendly explanations of narratives and so forth. Um, but Upanishads begin with the idea that if I'm going to speak to you about God, I have to talk to you, I have to give you an example of something that you can have to, by which to compare. We define things by comparisons. Hmm. So what is it in the world that is most like God? If anything, it's no thing. Hmm? And it just so happens, you are not a thing. So you are consciousness. You are Atma. Hmm? And that is what God is. Hmm? Chit, chit shakti. Hmm? Not like matter, inert, achit. Hmm? So this is a beginning kind of understanding. It doesn't doesn't end there. So, 
This is one of the um, ideas of Shankar, very difficult to really support from the sacred text, from the revelation. Absolute oneness between Jiva and Brahman, which which does, he does it by way of doing away with the Jiva altogether, doesn't really exist. Neither does the world really exist, whatever that means. right? Uh, so Mahaprabhu gives and cites the Vishnu Puran and the Bhagavad Gita very clearly. Apareya mitastvanyam param jiva the jiva is described along with or following the description of the material nature. Earth, water, fire, air, ether. And there's another shakti also. It's called the jiva. And what is its relationship with the, what I just described, the maya shakti? It lights it up. Hmm? It enjoys it or tries to. It sustains it in that way. Hmm? Gives it meaning and so forth. Then the verse that follows that, of course, is that these two ener- the world is nothing but these two energies. This is Bhagavad Gita. So, as it is, anyway. So, um, so this is one of the points, the overarching point again, that he has interpreted. Obviously, there are different takes on the scripture, and again, we acknowledge the different lineages, right? Um, I just mentioned some of the Vaishnava lineages, but they are theistic. This is this is different. And um, and it has this, I guess I say, sleight of hand where the, the, the Mukhivirti becomes the Gonavirti, the Gonavirti becomes the Mukhivirti. There's no need for that. This is this is the mental speculation that Prabhupada's talking about, this kind of idea. Hmm? Not that, that, that your explanation of the revelation is not uh, faithful. Therefore, we heard yesterday, Krishna does use a very strong word, Vyasbranta. He, he puts it in. He says, what Shankar is saying is that Vyas didn't know what he was talking about. Brunta means crazy. Vyas didn't know what he was talking about, so let me explain it to you. Hmm. So this is Mahaprabhu's objecting to this. And then he went on, of course, explaining that the Jiva and Brahman are not one, enabled him to segue into a brief dissertation about the nature of Shakti. And he cites the Vishnu Purana, describing the pre three principal shaktis, the internal energy, the swoop shakti, the tatasta shakti, the jiva, and the maya shakti. Hmm. So, and a doctrine of shakti parinam, vad, hmm. as opposed to vivartavad. Vartavad is there. Vivartavad means accepting something for what it's not, a rope for a snake. But it applies to the idea that I think I am the body, because when you think you are the body, the body is the snake is the rope that you think is a snake. In Shankar's idea that the world is Bivartabad. Hmm? There's no snake. There's no rope and there's no snake. There's no rope to begin with to think that it's a snake. The rope is an illusion. So it's it's so rather a doctrine of of Shakti Parinamba that the world is the the transformation that is the world, hmm? it is a transformation. It, it's something that undergoes transformation. That transformation is a result of the interaction of the shaktis, the Bhagavan, backed by his his will. Bhagavan himself is not transformed. The shaktis aren't. Well, Maya Shakti is subject to transformation, 
and under the influence of the jiva, that that transformation goes on. Hmm. So he explained these things, and now he comes to his last uh, point before the sannyasis will appreciate it and ask another question. Hmm. And um, what is this? Pranamase Mahakavya, Mahabakya, excuse me, Vedera Nidan, Ishvasrup Pranavasaru Vishwadham. So, Pranavase Mahabakya. The Pranava Omkar is the Mahabakya, the great, the, 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 the seminal seed sound of the uh, sacred texts. Hmm? And he says, Vedaranidan, this is, this is, it, it, it is the Mahabakya and the, the basic sound out of which all the sounds of the Vedas come. Um, this is uh, mentioned actually in the Gita. Om iti, Om tat sadhidinirdeshta, the Om, the Pranava Omkar is mentioned twice in the Gita. Once I just cited there in the seventeenth chapter, and then again in the eighth chapter, Omiti Ekakshara Brahman, something like that. Uh, and the eighth chapter says that there it's describing yoga mixed with bhakti, yoga mishra bhakti, hmm? the result of which, done perfectly, is Salokya, to live on the same planet with Narayan in Shantarasa. Hmm? And and he says, sitting still, and at the time of death, uttering Omiti uh, Akshar, the, 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 the syllable, syllables Om, A-U-M, Om, um, uh, one attains uh, me. And me here it means in the context of how they're approaching. Krishna says earlier in the Gita, as they approach, so I reciprocate accordingly. So this is one of the approaches, but it's not the approach of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Still, we honor the Om as the basic sound of the Vedas, as the, as the sound of God. Hmm? That's what it's saying there in the eighth chapter. Um, om, A, U, M. It covers all the ways in which you can make sounds. From the throat, A, to the like how you saw it tongue on the roof and mm. so all the sounds that you can make are thought to come within what is made by uttering the om so the implication is all, all the sound the sacred sound comes out of the om often compared to the, the Krishna's flute, Om is coming. Om and Gayatri. The prototype of all, of all mantras. And then the Vedas flow. Hmm? Gayatri, the sound of deliverance. Gonat triate. The sound gonat triate of deliverance. Which, of course, in the way in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is delivering, takes the shape of Hare Krishna. Once I was sitting with Prabhupada, he said, Om is also the name of God, but he said, You cannot get that same ecstasy by chanting Om. 
as you begin by chanting Hare Krishna. We could feel it. There's a similar statement by Jiva Goswami. He says, Shrotam api Upanishadam dure harikatamrita. The sounds of the Upanishads are leave one far from where one can arrive by Harikata. Dure Harikatamita, Kampashru Pulagalaya, and he just starts to describe the Astasatvikavikar, the transformations of ecstasy, involuntary um, Satvikabhavas. That um, play a prominent, prominent role in 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 Lila in Krishna Lila. So so Om is important and it, it has its place important place. It's a name of God. It's the sound of God, but God is a general idea. So Krishna is a very specific idea of God. So that's another thing. But here we very much honor the Om, the power of the Om. Om is mentioned in the Gita, as I mentioned in the 8th chapter, with regard to Salokya, this type of liberation uh, pursued by yogis, whose yoga is mixed with Gyan, excuse me, with Bhakti. And then I cited what the 17th chapter of Gita, Om Tat Sat Itinirdishta, these three words, Om Tat Sat. It said that these sounds uh, are... These sounds are given, were heard by the rishis. They were they're the un, unauthored sounds. So I've spoken about this of late at different times. There are sounds, just like there are sounds that dogs can hear that we cannot. There are sounds that, that people in the Satvagun can hear, that people in the Rajagun and Tamagun cannot hear. It's very practical. Even someone in Raju and Tamagun just cannot hear classical Indian music. There's no beat there. It doesn't get your your juices going. It's not supposed to. <laughs> it's supposed to do something else. And, uh, um, so it's very practical hmm? that. Uh, and not everybody can hear all the sounds, but in the deeper sense, so there are unauthored sounds. So, Om Tat Sat are, are thought to be among them, and they're heard and they're revealed by the sages. So the Upanishads are revealed, they're written down, but they're heard. And they're sounds that are the basis of the world. Om uh, is... Uh, out of whom comes the Brahmins, comes the Veda, and comes the sacrifice that's prescribed, the doer, the sacrifice, the sacrifice itself as described, and and then the sacrifice itself as performed. So all these, therefore, all the Vedic sacrifices are thought, said to be perfect by, are thought, are, are, are to be, I should say, prefaced by Om. And it's... Uh, uh, I believe this Vishwanachakritakura has commented that even if they're not done quite right, if the Om is there, then it'll be okay, which is a way of saying what Prabhupada used to say, that we did the Krishna Balaram installation, took three days in Vrindavan, it was a huge affair, and Brahmins were coming from the different days performing different, every 
every Brahmin and from every different whatever group and whatnot got to play their part and so forth. And Prabhupada was trying to ease his way in that his Western disciples would be accepted in Vrindavan and he would have a temple and they would be worshipping there and so on and so forth. So he made a big to-do about it. When it was over, he said, actually, just by our chanting Hare Krishna, everything was done. But to please everybody else, we went through all these these things. So ideas that uh, even if there's some irregularity, if the Om is properly chanted, if the name, the sound is, of God is there, then God is there, and everything's all right, something like that. So, so Pranava Omkar, it's very prominent. Um, the Godis have a very interesting take on it. Uh, the Goswamis, I believe Jiva Goswamis, written on it. Um, just to say, um, Akarenu Chate Krishna Sarvalokaya Nayaka Ukarenu Chate Radha Makara Makara Jiva Vachaka. He says, Akara, the, the syllable, the sound, the letter, Kara, Akara. Uchate Krishna. The A in Om represents Krishna, who's the Sarvaloka Ikanayaka, who's the, the hero of the whole world. Hmm. And Ukara Uchate Radha. The, the U, the U, it represents Radha. And the Ma, Makara, hmm, Jiva, Vajraka, is, is the sound that represents the Jiva. So you have God, Radha, and the Jiva. This is where you can have a bhakti, you see. Radha's in between. She is draws Krishna to herself and draws the Jiva there also. That's where he can be met. He can be met in the middle where Radha is. He's, he's somewhere else. He's drawn there. So this is a very Gaudiya, obviously, interpretation of the Pranava Omkara and uh, gives us reason to further assert from our perspective that is the main sound, the Mahavokya of the um, of the Vedas, the, the principal sound. Hmm? Um, and by contrast, of course, he he will go on to say what well, the Ishvara Swaru Pranava Sarvavishvadham therefore um, one should um, accept it as such. It's Ishwar Swarup Pranava. It's, it's the it, it's one with the nature of of, of Ishwar. Hmm? Um, and so, why is he saying this? By contrast, because um, Shankar has another idea. Hmm? And having said a few things, as we have about Om, there could be probably many, many more things that are said about it. I mean, you just think practically about it. In the um, uh, Western and, I believe, Eastern circles alike of, uh, of gatherings for Eastern spirituality, I mean, everybody's heard of Om. I mean, the symbol Om is it's almost... Um, too much used 
to use again from an artistic point of view. Um, I wouldn't agree with it, but some people would think of it like that from an artistic point of view. So everybody, I mean, everybody who's heard of Hinduism or gone to a Hindu gathering has probably heard of Om. I mean, it's very, very popular. And by contrast, uh, who has heard of the Mahavakya as uh, conceived by Shankar? Very few people. What is it? Sarvashrai Ishwarer Pranava Udesh. The reservoir of everything, the Ishwar, the Godhead, hmm? uh, is the Pranava Omkar. Tattvamasi Vakyahoi Bedera Ekadesh. Tattvamasi, which Shankar thinks is the Mahavakya. Again, this is just another example of, huh? What are you talking about? You know, it's kind of the, the Godia take on it. Where do you come up with that? We made that up. You're, this is your mental speculation. So, how can that be supported, that this is the main sound? Hmm? Uh, Shankar has given the ten principal Upanishads. Says who? Hmm? Says who? Though? He says. Oh, okay. Hmm? So we, <laughs> we that don't necessarily look at it like that. Hmm? Um, and so he says, Tattvamasi, and Mahaprabhu says, Bhakya hoi bedara ekadesh. This is just a ekadesh, a partial representation of the truth that's, that, that, that Om hmm, uh, fully represents in sound. Hmm? So this is the, again, this is the Mahavakya of, of, of the Shankar. It's, that's why uh, Mahaprabhu, when he was taking sannyas from Keshava Bharati, who was in the Shankar Sampradaya, he said to him, is this the mantra that you're going to give me? And he whispered, Tattvamasi, in the ear of Keshava Bharati. Hmm? But there's also a Godi interpretation of Tattvamasi. It's very different. That's a whole other thing. Hmm? And if you look at that, it's more true to the to 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 the grammar, but Shankar's idea has been popularized. His idea, Tatvamasi, is Tvat Tat Tvamasi, Tat That Tvam You. You are that. As if that even makes any sense. You are that. Hmm? It's his way of saying this is the main sound of the Veda, and it means that, that the Jiva is Brahman. You are that. Tat 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 means Brahman. Om Tat Sat, Itinideshta, that's from Bhagavad Gita. So you have the Om, the Tat, and the Sat. Hmm? Right? So Tat, it does mean Brahman, that's fine, but um, but that you are are, are Brahman is a, it's a, really? How did I get in this situation? It doesn't feel like I am. It doesn't look like I am. What's Brahman doing down here <laughs> in this kind of situation? Well, you're not really in this situation, and you really are not. There is only Brahman, so it's just very um, much of a stretch. But at any rate, Godis have their own take on this um, mantra, of course. And when Mahaprabhu whispered it in the ear of his sannyas guru, the conception of Mahaprabhu that he had of the mantra was then he was initiating Keshava Bharati. Hmm? into his understanding of the mantra, which is not you are that, but you are his. Hmm. That, tom, tom. that makes sense. You are that. Hmm. You are here. 
or that. That's kind of kind of the stretch. Hmm? There's two, but there's really only one. Hmm? There's two, but there's really only one. Mahaprabhu says, "You are His." There's two, and and they go together. <laughs> they go together real nicely. You are His. You belong to Him. You are for Him, for His, His Shakti, hmm? for His purpose. That should be your purpose because you belong to Him. Hmm? So, so he gave that to to Keshav Bharati, and Keshav Bharati said, "Yes, that's the mantra. And I give it back to you, and and so on." Hmm? Yeah, to emphasize the uh, glory of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's own associates, it said that uh, he asked Chaitanya asked Murari Gupta what to do. He's going to give him this mantra Tatvamasi, and Murari said, "Think of it like this." You are his, and so then he went. Yes, that's a good idea. And then, and he had, then he again told it to Keshav Bharati, and so forth. So, even if you want to emphasize this verse, we have a better. We think we have a better translation of it, and so it is um, with so many statements. Of I'll give you another one. This is a nice one. Um, um, uh, what is it? Um, um, Everything is Brahma. Sarvam idam, sarvam kalo idam Brahma. Hmm? Everything is Brahman. Shridhar said, yes, there are things and they are all Brahman. Hmm? There are things, <laughs> everything, hmm? and they are all manifestations of Brahman. This doesn't mean there are no things and there's no Brahman. Hmm? And then, of course, there's. we should mention that there's the famous statement of Shankar that's been uttered so many times that people think it's one of the uh, Upanishadic aphorisms. Brahma Satyam Jagan Mityam. He made that one up. Hmm? That's not a Vedic mantra, but people recite it as if it's like a Vedic mantra. Hmm? The absolute truth. Brahma, Brahman is, is real, the world is mitya, mityam, false. It doesn't really exist. This is some, again, kind of monistic idealism, spiritual idealism, spiritual monistic idealism. Hmm. You've got the materialistic monism, everything is matter, and then you've got, on the other end, Shankar, everything is Brahman. Hmm. So we think, no, wait a minute, it's both things. And, and this is part of also the, the idea of as it is, because... Even if you if you take Shankar, but you go further, even with all of the Vaishnav Sampradayas, if you study them, you see that the Shuddha Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita, Shishta Dvaita, Dvaita Bhada, and so forth, they're all trying to deal with something. They're all trying to deal with this bewildering kind of, is the Jiva Brahman or not Brahman? Is the world Brahman or not? And uh, uh, the, the unity, the oneness, and the difference, they're all nuancing it in in some way. We're doing away with with one for the sake of Dwaita's doing away with any difference and, and Adwaita is doing every away with any is only oneness. Dwaita is doing away with any oneness, I should say. And Adwaita is doing away with any difference. And then Brahmanuja is qualifying the non difference and so on and so forth. And um, who's the other one? Um, Vishnu Swami is giving a Shuddha Dvaita. 
Mm-hmm. Pure non-dualism. It's a Vaishnava idea, but Sridhar Swami and uh, Vishnu Swami, Balaba and so forth. But Mahaprabhu's idea is, this is again why he didn't write a commentary or didn't empower directly any of his direct associates to write a commentary on Vedanta Sutra. He felt the Bhagavatam was a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra and let's not try to like tweak the thing, let's just take it as it is. Hmm? There's difference and unity and although there the, the the jiva is one with Brahman, Brahman and different at the same time, and that just doesn't like make sense. How it could be one and different? It it's, it happens. It is. It is the nature of reality, and it's happening by the inconceivable shakti of Bhagavan. Hmm? So let him be who he is. Let's not try to like impose our intellect on the environment, which is saying one thing that doesn't fit between the ears, and try to make it fit between the ears a little better. Let's just accept that God has inconceivable shakti hmm? and it's going on in that way. Something like that. Hmm? And Dr. Kapoor, a disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, wrote a, a PhD dissertation that was published as a book that, uh, what's it called? The Philosophy and Religion of Sri Chaitanya. There was a chapter in there that Bhaktisiddhanta was liked as his favorite chapter where he goes through the different schools of Vedanta hmm? and he shows um, how each of these schools has a certain term Abhachaniriya what is Madhva's um, term oh, I forget now I mean, each has a term that tries to deal with this hmm? and our term is Achintya which doesn't try to deal with it, so to speak. So it's just taking it as it is. And uh, again, this this is, it's kind of, uh, it should not, I should just say, it should not be misunderstood for a literalistic, you know, approach that results in religious fanaticism. It's not like that. Hmm? Um, and again, then we're back to the no mental speculation can turn into fundamentalist approach to understanding everything. It's not like that. Hmm? Um, but it's very faithful to the uh, to the text itself when it says things that uh, seem irresolvable, like this unity and difference idea. How can it be both? It says not only is it both, but like Dwaita Dwaita, sometimes it's Brahman is one and sometimes different. Ours the interpenetrating one and different at the same time. And examples are given to help us. The example of the heat and fire, heat and light of fire, are as an example. So there are examples which we can get an idea about it from the wave and the particle, you know, in the subatomic world, it's a wave, it, no, it's a particle, it's both, you know, um, kind of a thing. Um, but, um, but how it's happening, that's what's inconceivable. At any rate, um, here he's criticizing this speculative um, approach that results in choosing, declaring that the uh, Mahabhakya of the Vedanta is Tattvamasi, and then he has his own interpretation of it. And it's really quite quite out, outlandish. I mean, compared, as I say, in comparison to to the um, extent 
to which the Pranava Omkar is, is celebrated. And, and in so many yoga circles, who's ever heard of Tattvamasi? And everybody's heard of Om. Hmm? Um, so it's the main sound. <laughs> and Mahaprabhu's stressing this point. He says, he says Pranava Mahavokya Taha Kori Achanda. Mahavakya Kori Tattvamasi Tattvamasira Stapan. So Pranava Omkar is the Mahavakya and Shankar has tried to cover it and make the Tattvamasi the main sound. Sarvabeda Sutri Kore Krishnera Abhidhan Mukyuvati Chardi Koila Lakshan Vyakyan. So again, he more or less kind of now comes back to the beginning of his argument to conclude his argument. He says, Sarvabeda Sutri Kore, well, Krishna uh, Abhidhan um, in all of the sutras of the Vedas they all establish um, Krishna's position Mukya Vritti Chadi Kuvida Lakshana Vyakyan giving that up and uh, that direct all the, the direct Mukya Vritti understanding Shankar is made up his own um, and by way of making the direct indirect statements direct Svata Praman Ved Praman Shiromani Lakshan Kodile Svata Pramanatahani He says the self-evident Svata Praman Ved Vedic literatures are the highest evidence of all but these literatures, if these literatures are interpreted as Shankar has done, their self-evident nature is lost. So that again, I have to say, the sun of the sounds has been covered by the cloud of his imagination. So, e mata prati sutre sahajarta chadiya Gunartha Vyakya Kori Kalpana Koriya. So, um, the school of Shankar giving up the real meaning and real and um, Sahajartha. Sahaj means easy. Hmm? Sahaj, natural. Hmm? Natural, straightforward reading. I mean, it's very clear, again, to use Prabhupada's example. Krishna says, Surrender, give up all forms of religion and just surrender unto me. That's what Krishna says. And somebody else says, it's not to the Krishna that we should surrender, but to the unborn within. It's like, wait a minute, you know. <laughs> so this is uh, an example of, of that, a famous one that Prabhupada would cite. So he says, Sahajarta Chadiya. Hmm? Giving up the easy, natural reading of the uh, the sutras, Gunartha Vyakya Kori Kalpana Koriya. He's introduced indirect meanings based on Kalpana, his own imagination, hmm? his own imaginative powers. E Mate Prati Sutra Prati Sutra Korena Dushan Shuni Chamatkar Hoila Sanyasirgan. So, with this, Mahaprabhu then, according to Krishna's Kaviraj, went on to show each and every sutra hmm, mm. 
uh, in terms of uh, the defects in Shankar's explanations. And all the assembled sannyasis were full of chamatkar, wonder. Chamatkar is the basis of rasa, so they were ready for her. Now, for rasa, inquiry into rasa. They had inquired into Brahman and ended up somewhere else. Sakala sannyasi kohe sunaha sripad. All the sannyasis said that, um, please, Your Holiness, um, hear from us. Hmm? Speaking to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Tumi je kandile artha e nahi e nahe bivad. Everything you said, we have no we have no quarrel with. Hmm? You have given we accept what you said. You've given a clear understanding of the sutras. Acharya kalpita artha iha sobe jani sampradaya anurodhitabu tahamani. <laughs> he says, we know that. The Acharya Shankar is full of all kinds of juggling of words and and uh, imaginary explanations. Yet, you know, because we belong to this sampradaya, hmm? sampradaya nurodhe tobutahi mani, so we kind of go along with it, you know. So they're playing it down a little bit, <laughs> I guess. But they're more or less saying, "Yeah, there was, there was those. We had some hard time with some of those explanations ourselves, actually." Um, uh, well, we just went along with it because, well, we didn't have any other alternative, and he's the Acharya, but what you said, that's that's very heartening and easy to follow. And Mukyarta Vyakya Kaad Deki Tomar Bal Mukyarte Lagala Prabhu Sutra Sakal Now, so now they, this leads us into the next, they say, it's next section. Now, let us see how you can describe the sutras in terms of their direct meaning, because he's now he's shown what's wrong with Shankar's understanding. There's some light has been shed, obviously, on how he's thinking about it. Hmm? But uh, please uh, sh- give us your own explanation of the sutras. And uh, so hearing this, hmm, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will begin to explain the sutras from his perspective. Shiman Chaitanya Dev Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi. Alright. What's the time? Alright, so we'll stop there. Continue with the next discussion. Shishigora Ramadav Ki Jai. Vanchagal Batarubhya Shachar Kripa Sindhu.